Well, God bless you and welcome. We're starting um, our second week of the series, More Precious Than Gold. More Precious Than Gold. And over the next several weeks, it's going to be about eight weeks in total, uh, we are going to be looking at um, what it is to be in the refiner's fire what it is to be in the refiner's fire. If you tuned in last week, then you saw or heard more or less an introduction to the refiner's fire and some things that we could expect. And so tonight we will continue on there. And I've entitled it, The Broken Crucible in the Hands of the Master. The Broken Crucible in the Hands of the Master. And simply put, because we are all broken in one way, shape, or form. We're all broken. We're all in the hands of the Lord. We're all being formed and put back together into that person and, and that vessel that uh, would bring him all the glory and honor. Lamentations 3, 22 to 25 says this, that steadfast of love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And sometimes when we're in trials, sometimes when we're facing difficulties, sometimes we're in the, when we're in the midst of failure and hardship, we tend to look at it as though God's love has lifted its hands from us. We tend to look at it as though, God, but where are you in all of this? But according to this scripture verse that Jeremiah penned was the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never ceases. And Jeremiah could attest to this because Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, went through some pretty hardships with the, with the children of Israel. But Jesus did not say that we might have trouble. Jesus said this in, in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It's not a you might have trouble. You, you might have problems. You might face difficulties. He says you will have tribulation. It was a definite point of statement. It was a concrete statement. You are going to have tribulation. But with the same tone of concrete that you are going to have tribulation, with the same tone, he says, but, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He gives us that confidence. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to face trials. You're going to face hardships. There are going to be sour days ahead, but take confidence. I've overcome it. The same, the same tone of voice assures you that as much as you're going to go through problems, he has overcome those problems. He has already faced them. He already has a solution. He already has the outcome arranged and orchestrated. So we can take that confidence tonight. Disappointments may be unavoidable in our life. We're going to face disappointments, but we are not without hope. 
We just need to know how to navigate those disappointments. We need to know how to drive ourselves through them because every disappointment can be what? His appointment. Every disappointment that you face could be his appointment, depending on the spectacles you're looking through. Depending on your perspective, it could be God's lineup. You might be going through this hardship, but that's because there's this on the other side of that hardship. You don't know what his appointment is. So last week we discussed how uh, disappointments come when our expectations were not met. Something that we expected to get out of a situation uh, did not happen. And so consequently, we're unhappy with ourselves. We're unhappy with others around us. Um, we're unhappy with the outcome. And so we're left facing the fact like, how do I get over this disappointment? Have you ever been in a situation like that? You've been so disappointed with something that has lingered on for days and days, if not weeks. I've been in a situation where my disappointment has lingered and I'm like, but how long is this season for? You know, like the, the truth of the matter, and I've said it many times to my family, my head knows, my head knows. My head knows that on the other side of this, God has a solution. On the other side of this, I'm going to go, oh, okay, I get it, Lord. On the other side of this, I'm going to see the hand of God intricately in every detail of it. But in this moment while I'm in it, I'm just feeling disappointed. I'm feeling the weight of it. Have you ever, am I the only one tonight? <laughs> Yeah, I know I'm not, but you guys could just don't have to admit it. But we have to move on. We, have, we can't hold on to it because then what happens is the enemy will play with it. The enemy of our purpose wants to see us derailed. He wants us to fall into a downward spiral. Remember, we touched on that last week, a spiral of feeling like a failure, not measuring up not achieving the expected goal, not uh, meeting the mark that either you set for yourself or that someone else set upon you, the feeling of not achieving what you intended to achieve, not accomplishing what you desired to accomplish. And so we looked at that last week. And so we fall into this trap of failure when we attempt to do things our way, our how, with our perspective, our plans, and, and, and our, 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 our expected outcome, instead of going to God and saying, Lord, how would you orchestrate this? What are your plans? What are your purposes? And you know what? We do go to God and we say, Lord, what is your plan for this? What is your purpose for this? And isn't it funny how he doesn't give us all the details? Isn't it just like God that he doesn't give us all the details? He gives us maybe a notion in our, in our heart. Or, or, or sometimes he, he gives us a thought. And, and so we, we walk with that thought, but we don't have the full picture. I, I don't know, but this is what I feel he is leading me to do right now. And we walk in that step of faith. Well, the children of Israel were encouraged that, uh, that they had a promised land that was awaiting them. 
And this promised land was flowing with milk and honey. And so uh, one from every tribe was to be sent by Moses into, into the promised land to check it out. And sure enough, when they got there, they found it's true. The fruit are as such. It is bountiful with, with a harvest, as has been told to us. But, but you know what? There's one problem about this promised land. They got the Nephalians in there. They got giants in the land. They focused on one area rather than seeing the abundance of God that would come with being in that area. And they couldn't see it for what God was giving them for the sake of the giants before them. And so if you were to read, uh, I don't know why I said Genesis, Numbers um, 12, 13, and 14, you could see how the, how the story plays out. It's still, it starts out with um, Miriam and, and Aaron complaining and, and then the, the promised land being uh, promised to them. But at the end of Numbers 14, uh, verses 39 to 45, it reads this. When Moses told these words to all the people of Israel, the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the heights of the hill country, saying, Here we are. We will go up to the place that the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. But Moses said, Why now are you transgressing transgressing the command of the Lord when that will not succeed. Do not go up, for the Lord is not among you, lest you be struck down before your enemies. For there the Amalekites and the Canaanites are facing you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned back from following the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But what did they do? But they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill country, although neither the ark of the covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed out of the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that hill country came down and defeated them and pursued them even to Hormah. They walked in disobedience, even though it was claimed, uh, put out plain before them. Moses is like, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't think that you could just go in. Don't presume you can go in and take that land. You would think that as they begin to take the steps and walk there nonetheless, and they turn around and they see that Moses is not with them, they see that the Ark of the Covenant is not with them, that they would not stop and say, whoa. We better not go any further. Neither is our leader with us, nor is the presence of the Lord with us. But they went on in their own gumption. And what happened was that they were all struck down. They were defeated. Disobedience is one sure way to fail. You want to fail? Presume on your own what you should do. You want to fail? When you look back and you see that the presence of the Lord is not with you, and you continue to go on, that's one sure way to fail. Disobedience is one sure way. But you know what? We've all been born into this place of failure because Romans 3.23 says what? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve fell, there came that sin nature in us that made us propensiated towards failure. 
And so disobedience is that, that nature that wants to resurrect its head. Sin means that you're missing the mark. In Romans 3.23, when it says, for all have sinned, it's actually saying, for all have missed the mark. For all have missed the mark and fallen short of the glory of God. We were made in the image of God. But we've met, we fail to reveal who he truly is when we walk in that place of disobedience. Made in his image, yet doing things our own way. Made in his image, yet presuming on his presence and just going ahead in our way, in our how. And so we fall short of his God-likeness and the godliness that we were created to possess and, and display to all the world that is around us. David said what? That he was born in, in Psalm 51 verse 5. I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So he, he realized that he, he failed. He, he already had that sin nature within him, but it's not the end. Just because you and I have, have that sin nature within us, just, be, just because disobedience wants to rise up within us and cause us to be in that place of failure, it does not mean that that's the end. God sent forth his son, right? And through his son, we could be made new. We could be transformed. We could be made into the image of him. And we could walk in the um, actions of his word. And according to his word, Jude 24 says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before his throne. Pre, uh, present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. I guess once upon a time I memorized it, King James. <laughs> present you faultless before his glorious throne. So Jesus, he's the one who comes and he rescues us from that sin place. He rescues us from that sin nature that causes us to uh, easily fall into disobedience, easily fall into failure. Why? Because his, the whole focus of Jesus was that he would never leave us nor forsake us according to Hebrews 13 and 5. When we receive Christ, what do we receive? We receive the Holy Spirit who is forever with us always. The presence of the Lord never leaves us nor forsakes us. And he is forming us. So the, the place of going from that perceived failure, by the way, this is all about the, the crucible and all about the refiner's fire. You see, whenever you're looking at yourself as that perceived failed image, that's the enemy lying to you. He's getting into your mind. He's getting you into the place of I'm, I'm a failure. I'm never going into the direction that God wants me. Everything that I seem to do seems to fall apart. Why isn't it that I can't get my life straight? Why isn't it that my family can't this? And we go into this downward spiral. And so what I'm just trying to do is lay that, that sidewalk that allows us to see how is it that our mind 
mind even goes into these types of thoughts, it goes back to the beginning of time when sin entered in and disobedience came in the fall of man. So what must we do when we have failed? What must we do when we've been in that place where we're feeling like we are a failure, when we're feeling like we're not going anywhere? We don't give the enemy a listening ear. Because I don't know if it's just me, but he tends to lie in my ear. It happens. My thoughts are thinking things, and, and, and it's almost like incongruence. I can hear the Lord say, did I say that? And the enemy's lying this, and the, did I say that? And we must not give the enemy a listening ear, neither let his voice defeat us or cause us to believe that there's no hope, to cause us to believe that there's no help and that there's no way out. Because the minute we entertain those thoughts, the minute we give eye or ear to that thought, what will happen is we will be in that place of disappointment. We will be in that place of believing what appears to be as though it were truth. Don't buckle into a seat of defeat. Because once you buckle into the seat of defeat, then the enemy has a toehold into your life. Have you ever been trying to get into a room and the person is slamming the door? And what do you first try to do? Put your foot in. Because if you put your foot in, they can't slam the door. Those that are parents know, right? You put your foot in the door, the, the kids can't shut the door on you. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get his foot in because the minute he gets his foot in, he knows that he has territory and he can speak into you. But don't buckle. Don't buckle in that place of defeat. Jeremiah said it as we read it. But going back at verse 19, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will have hope. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the souls who seeks him. What happened to him? He says, but my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. You see, if the, if the enemy can get you fixating upon a thought, fixating upon a disappointment, a failure, a lost hope, a lost purpose, a, 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 a missed opportunity, if he can get you fixating upon Upon that, then your soul becomes downcast. And, and what did uh, Jeremiah say? My soul continually remembers it and it is bound, bowed down. But then he encouraged himself with this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. But this I call to my mind. I may, not, I may have missed that opportunity, but um, that opportunity. But look at what the Lord is doing now. I may have missed that, but this is what God lined up as a result of it. And so Jeremiah says, this I call to my mind, the Lord never ceases. So even in our greatest of trials, even when the heat of the fire seems to be raised 
a little higher. Even when the, the crucible has to be in that place of highest temperature so that it could be properly formed, so that it could be properly mounted, uh, melted, we could know this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His watchful eye is carefully in tune. We can count on his mercies that they will be new every morning. Lord, today I stumbled, but tomorrow your mercy is new for me. Today, Lord, I struggled, but tomorrow your mercy is new for me. Why? Because he is our portion. He is our portion, and we can have hope. There's hope. Why? Because there's God. There's hope because there is God. As long as there is God, there is hope. Even in our most bitter afflictions, even in our most difficult of trials, we can count on his loving kindness to be there and to embrace us and to hold us. James said it this way, count it all joy, James 1, 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of what? Various kinds. Notice he didn't isolate the trial to be a specific trial. He said trials of various kinds. Why? Because your trial may be different than her trial, then different than his trial. But to each of you, it is a trial. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing disappointment failures trials tribulations exactly that they are that refining process they are the fire that smooths out the rough edges of the crucible. They are the fire that melts that crucible so that the debris that is within it could rise to the surface and be skimmed off. Count it all joy. Why? Because right there, right there in that heat of the fire, right there in that crucible, you are being perfected and complete. Believe it or not, when, it, when we are in the most intense of the heat, that is when we are rising to the most perfected state. In the most intense of the heat, that is when the, when the, um, the refiner is looking, is my, can I see my image yet? Can I see my reflection yet? In the, it, as the heat rises higher and as the debris or, or the sludge of what, that crucible comes out, that is when the refiner is watching very closely to see because there's that point that the fire cannot go too much higher without destroying the crucible. So his eyes are ever in tune to what is happening. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says this, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces what? Endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When we face trials, when we face disappointments, what, we do, what do we do? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks. I don't know if, if I'm the only one who has a difficulty in the moment of the trial to say, well, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this really hard time that I'm going through. It's not until I see a glimmer of hope that I say, well, thank you, Jesus. Right? You fall down, and when you're down and you're ouch and, 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 you're, and you're sore, and you go to get up and every part of you hurts as you're getting up, it's not till afterwards that you look where you fell and you see how you could have hurt yourself more badly that you say, oh, thank you, Jesus. But in that moment, you're not saying, glory to God, I just fell down. <laughs> At least not me, anyways. Remember, last week what we said, when, when we ha it's the way that we respond to the situation, it's the way we respond to our trials. Where do our trials first take place? Most of the time is in our mind. Most of the time when the enemy is wanting to attack us, he's gonna attack us in our mind. And we saw last week in 2 Corinthians 10 verse five that we're to take those thoughts captive. Take those thoughts captive, and, and it says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, to obey God, Christ. Don't allow the enemy to infiltrate your mind because he's going to build a stronghold brick by brick, by brick by brick. An elderly man, and I shared this story once before, an elderly man came uh, one Friday night when I was doing uh, youth in, in, my, in, my form, in my former church, and um, he just showed up in the, in the back of the room, and so the way the lighting was, I couldn't see, but I just saw that he was an elderly man. I thought perhaps he was a grandparent of one of the youth, and so while the youth were praying at the altar, I went and I asked him, and I says, oh, are you here to pick up one of the youth? Being that as I got closer, I didn't recognize him. He says, no, I just seen the lights of the church on, so I thought I'd check out what's happening. Well, then my antennas are all like protective mama bear, you know, uh, just wondering what this gentleman was there for. But as I'm looking at him, he seemed to be very, very troubled. And so while I felt like protective mama bear because of the youth were in the front praying, I felt like I needed to speak to this individual. So I motioned to one of the leaders that were there to, to go towards the front. And I, and I said to him, I says, do you need to talk? And he begins to cry. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. He begins to cry. And, and so uh, we talked about God and we talked about the love of the Lord and, and uh, you know, led him led him to to receive christ as his savior but after we were we had done we were done praying and he had received the lord as his savior he still seemed very troubled and i says what what's happening 
you know, because often when you share the, the love of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ and somebody has prayed that prayer, you, you see like a, a countenance, you see a relief upon them, right? You see like a lifting of something. And um, he says, I, I just can't get out of my mind some things. We didn't go into the detail of what those some things were. I felt that if the Lord wanted me to go into that detail, he would have given me the inkling. And I says, you know what? You have to take those thoughts captive. I says, why don't you reach out right now and grab those things that are troubling you? Just grab those thoughts. And he looked at me really strangely. I says, no, like just grab a hold of them and now talk, those, talk to those thoughts. Just talk to them. That is not God's thoughts towards me. I have received Jesus as my Savior. He loves me. He has forgiven me. And now I take you captive. And I says, just talk to the thoughts. And he looked at me like, you, seriously, you want me to do that? And I says, just do it. Just talk to the thoughts. That's when the countenance of the Lord came upon him and his whole face changed and we began to see him regularly in church and then he began to bring his son as well we destroy the arguments in every lofty opinion against the knowledge of god raised against the knowledge of god and take every thought captive and obey christ don't listen to what the enemy is saying. He will infiltrate your mind and he will take over. But Colossians 2 and 6 says, Therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith just as you were taught. No matter what happens, no matter how hot the fire gets, how difficult the trial is, no matter what the circumstance is that you're facing or that you're in the heat of in now or that you were in the heat of in or that you're going to be in the heat of the word of God says that we're to rejoice we're to pray and we're to give thanks Lord I don't feel like rejoicing right now God I don't feel like being happy right now I am consumed by this this is overwhelming me so Lord I'm going to pray and I'm going to give thanks because on the other side of this I know you have a plan is it hard oh yeah oh yeah it's very hard is it doable very much doable consider Paul thrown into jail and there when he was in the midst of the uh, in the midst of jail what does he tell us in philippians 1 12 to 14 i want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for christ and most of most of the brothers, have, uh, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because he was in the trial of being thrown in prison, because he was under that, that imprisonment, that hardship, those that have witnessed his life and what he was going through now became more confident. Instead of them saying, well, we're not going to share the truth of Christ. We're not going to share the gospel of Christ. Otherwise, we will be in prison just like Paul. 
No, instead, the watching eyes of those around him became more bold and more confident. Why? Because of how he endured his imprisonment. What chain has wrapped itself around you right now? What has girdled you in so tight that you feel you, you can't even breathe in this situation? That there are others that are watching and depending on how you walk through this will be how they navigate their course. Philippians 2.17, Paul says this, Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering... Upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Even I, if I'm to be poured out, I rejoice with you all. When you experience hardships, when you go through problems, when you face difficulties, your true character is what's going to come through. The real you will come through. The real core of who you are is what comes through when you are going through hardship. You're going through the fire, but your fire is a teaching point to another person. You're in the fire, but somebody's learning how to navigate a fire how to put out a fire, how to stay away from a fire by how you're living through your fire. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19. And I looked this up in the um, message translation because as I was reading it, I was like, I, I, I just want to get another picture of it. And it, it says it like this. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. <laughs> this is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It's the Spirit of God and His glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. It's the Spirit of God and His glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. If they're on you, because you broke the law or disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. But it's because you're a Christian. Don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. It's judgment time for God's own family. That's us. We're first in line. If it starts with us, think what's going, what it's going to be like for those who refuse God's message. If good people barely make it, what's in store for the bad? So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. Trust him. He knows what he's doing, and he'll keep on doing it. That's the refining process. That's what we're to be glad in. If you see yourself in a difficult situation, be glad. <laughs> That's a whole other thing to digest. 
Be glad when you're in a difficult situation because God is being glorified in you. Be glad when you're in a difficult situation because sooner or later, that refining is gonna make others see Jesus in you. Be glad because the fire is hot and, and it's just getting a little bit more uncomfortable because the hotter the fire gets, the more that is not of Christ that is in you will rise up and be removed then the flesh will have glory in be glad for the heat of the fire entrust your soul to the lord entrust your soul to god so that he could work it all out he didn't come to demoralize you to ruin you to make you feel like you're lesser than Hebrews says in, in Hebrews 12, 5 to 7, Have you forgotten the, the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be, be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Jump down to verses 11 to 13. And it says this, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore... Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Our trial of disappointment, our trial of hardship, our trial of difficulty, whatever you are facing has come to perfect and complete us in every way so that what we are lacking nothing. Wrap your head around that. You're in it, you're in the hot, in the heat of the fire, so that you will lack nothing. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That word discipline there in verse 6 is pedero, and it means to train, to educate, to teach and so in another words the verse is actually saying the lord trains he educates he teaches the one he loves when you're in training for a race your muscles will burn and you got to press past the burn you got to press past the burn because when you press past the burn, it's when your muscles become strengthened. If you don't press past the burn, your muscles don't get strengthened to that place. The Lord, the, the Lord teaches, he trains, he educates the ones that he loves. Why? Because he's shaping us and he's, and he's forming us. Remember, the silver when it's at that place of being refined and being ready to be removed from the fire is when the refiner sees his reflection in it. What does Peter say? Keep on rejoicing. Be glad. Be glad. So perhaps God has put you in a place of a trial. 
Or perhaps God has put you in a place of a disappointment. But whatever situation that you are in is because he's looking to you to be his living epistle. He's looking for you to be the living image of who he is. And so some people get all, all disheveled. Why am I in this place? You could be in the same lineup, an unemployment lineup as somebody else. And maybe you're there to be the reflection of Christ. You could be in a hospital bed next to somebody else who is suffering. You may be be the very person that will lead them to Christ. You can be in the grocery line at the grocery store with a mother in front of you with a crying and wailing baby who's had the, the, the worst of her days. But you turning and saying a word of encouragement could be the very reason why God has you in that line. Because why? You've been in that trial. You've been in that furnace. You've been in that disappointment. You've walked that road. You're walking that road. You are that living in epistle. So he allows you to hurt just as, the, just as others hurt. Why? So that you could be the one that he uses to be the reflection of who he is. So that others can see how God brings you through. You're in this fire of testing. Why? Because others are writing the same exam. But their eyes are on your answer. Their eyes are on your answer. It are your eyes on your answer? The answer is Jesus. Are your eyes on God through this fire? Through this trial? So how do we... How does that broken crucible, how do we as broken individuals surrender to the master? Pure obedience. Pure obedience. Once that, once that pot is put into the fire, has anybody ever done ceramics where you paint something on the, on the pot and then that, that um, ceramic has to be put in the kiln? And that paint that you've just put on it has to be embedded into that ceramic. And there's a glaze put on it, but it goes into the kiln and it goes under extreme temperatures. So that that, that image could be baked into it. We have to choose to believe God no matter how we feel. No matter what we think, no matter what the circumstances are, we have to recognize that our disappointment uh, will turn to be God's appointment. This hardship will be turned to be God's appointment. He never said the situation would be good, but what, did he, did, what, what he did say was that he would bring good from it. Right? Romans 8, 24 to 25. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And we know that for those who call God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He didn't promise that it would be good, but he promised that he would work it for our good. When I'm in those circumstances where things get just a little hotter than I'm really ready to have on my plate in that time, and I feel overwhelmed, there's been some mornings I'm getting dressed and I'm feeling overwhelmed at a thought, and then I'll just say, Lord, you brought me through it then, 
and I'll name the situation and I'll name the incident and I'm trusting you'll bring me through it now because you have not changed. When you're in the heat of it, remember another incident. Remind yourself of another time that God brought you through. When you're sick and you feel that weakness upon your body, Lord, when I was sick like this, when I had something similar, Lord, you healed my body, and so I'm going to believe for your healing again. Call to remembrance when you're in that refining so that you could know, Lord, I'm trusting you. As you brought me through before, you'll bring me through now, and your reflection will be seen. So that others looking at my life may see you as the answer. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right? Hebrews 11 and 1. And so our obedience is to walk looking beyond our circumstances. I'm in the fire, but Lord, I know that you are leading me through this fire. I don't know if any of you are in any, say, any place of trial tonight, any place of, of um, hardship, difficulty, disappointment, sickness, but know this, on the other side of it, God is working his plan. He's working his plan, and he will be exalted. All that he asks of you, surrender. Surrender to me. Trust me. Trust me, because you know what? In order for that crucible to go into the fire, there needed to be a hand to put it there. That crucible couldn't walk into the fire. There needed to be a hand to put it in the fire. And there needs to be a hand that will retrieve it from the fire. That's just the refining process. There's a refiner, there's a crucible, and that refiner puts a crucible in and retrieves a crucible. And you can trust this one thing about your life. And this is how we'll end for tonight. If you're in the fire, know that there was a refiner whose name is Jesus who put you in the fire, and there's a refiner whose name is Jesus who will retrieve you from the fire. His eyes are ever on you. You will come through this. On the other side of this fire is a reflection of Jesus. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for... The knowledge of knowing that you work all things out for your good. Lord, that you would be glorified. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the test, there is somebody that's peering over to our paper to see the answer. Lord, may we be diligent as children of God, to walk through this test, pointing others to you. May our lives reflect you as the answer, God. We want to give you the praise and the glory in everything, Lord, even in the midst of the fire. May we be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, coming out, not even smelling as smoke. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, thank you to those who joined us online. We welcome you here Sunday morning to be with us.
10 a.m. And we welcome you to join our Friday night Zoom prayer. If you want to join, if you're not already a part of it, uh, you can certainly email the church and we'll link you in. Uh, but we'll see you again Sunday morning. God bless you all and thank you for joining us.